this was not built just for vegans. This, this was very much my intention. And I think it's, I think it's wrong to go in it to it that way. I don't think shaming the non-vegans and shaming meat eaters is the way to go. And unfortunately, uh, I experience that with vegans all the time. And it really is, is a bummer. And that's why people shy away from opening vegan places, to be honest with you. And so what we need to do is normalize it. Then when I go to Portland, when I've been to New York and I've gone to London, it just is. I don't know how else to say it. Like they just are plant-based. I'm Andrea Learned, and welcome to Living Change, a podcast exploring unconventional climate leadership. I talk to people who've converted their personal values into business and policy decisions in a load of different sectors. I believe that the more we're visible about these changes, the more we chart the way for other leaders wanting to create new social norms. Today, I'm speaking with globally recognized KEXP DJ and the longtime beloved host of The Morning Show, John Richards at his plant-based bar in the heart of Capitol Hill in Seattle, Life on Mars. I'm probably standing in the area okay. that's probably I'm most proud of because yes. uh, when we decided to build this place, I wanted to have a living room or like a basement where people collect vinyl and hang out. And so to have a space large enough to be able to achieve that's been awesome. So we catch up with John in what he calls the vinyl living room, an area of the bar that really does feel like you're in someone's extremely cool living room. One wall has nearly 6,000 records floor to ceiling, and another has a giant mural. Cool! In it, a David Bowie-like spaceman floats over a classic Washington mountain landscape with translucent color spots. I found it sort of trippy and stunning, but I'm not qualified to talk about art. You just need to see it for yourself. It was funny when we did our mural here. We felt like we needed this mural for some... We needed like a thing that everyone's eyes were drawn to or whatever. We never thought that it would be the giant 6,000 record wall to my left. But this sort of draws everybody in. From um, outside? Yeah. I mean, I would think they yeah. walk by and they're like, Woo. Yeah, one of my favorite things is to sit here in the, in the room and, and, and look out the window and you see people who've never, you know, been in here walk by and stop and point. And you know they're coming in at some point. At some point, we'll break them down. Yeah. John gives us a quick tour of Life on Mars. From the disco bathroom with its own sound system? Yeah, you heard that right. We installed a disco ball, the lighting. Disco's usually playing, you know, the entire day. To the two record players at the front, something I've never seen at another bar. These are two techniques that we uh, installed at the front of the bar. So right when you walk in, it tells you what we're about. That and this then is it, serious. Yeah, and so, yeah, <laughs> we are about music. If you didn't know that, we are. And so what happens, people come in, and they can pick records from the wall, and we play album sides instead of playing a jukebox or playing our own mix. Um, we just make sure you can only pick good records, and that's, in our opinion, all we have in that wall. So um, there is a cutoff, like around six, seven every night. We cut off to a mix that I put together because it's just too busy, and so it's a nice mix of both, hey, here, pick some vinyl, and then later it's a mix that I've, I've created um, for the bar. But I'm really proud of this just because we weren't sure how to, like, hand over control to people and we ended up handing over control to people so yeah in that's a smart way the food isn't the only aspect of the bar that's vegan every element of the bar's design and materials are plant-based i've been vegan for half my life since uh january 1st 2000 and so we were never going to open a place where it was served animals or served dairy or any way exploited animals or or 
any life be taken. <laughs> that yeah. seems silly when Yay. you say it like that. <laughs> yes. So everything we did had that in mind. We designed the bar, we designed the menu, we designed um, the drinks. More drinks than you know uh, actually oh. have that because of the a lot of the tubing they run through. Oh. We've got some animals and okay. things like that. So And then other beers, especially, mm. um, and some liquors as well. So we go through that with uh, you know meticulously making sure that you just know that you can come in here and know that nothing was harmed during that. And the design was the same. I mean, the whole, the materials used in the booths, the everything, we didn't want to, you know, it's hard. You see why people cut corners or um, don't make that effort because it's just easier. And, and to be honest, it's more expensive. It doesn't make any sense to me why it's more expensive, but it is. The intentionality with which John and his wife Amy built this restaurant, living their change and living their values, is so inspiring to me. I love that although the restaurant is plant-based, the vibe of the bar is fun, funky, and inclusive. It's a restaurant that just is plant-based and invites you to make that choice even for one meal. That's the whole idea here is this was not built just for vegans. This, this was very much my intention. And I think it's, I think it's wrong to go into it that way. I don't think shaming the non-vegans and shaming meat eaters is the way to go. And unfortunately, uh, I experience that with vegans all the time. And it really is, is a bummer. And that's why people shy away from opening vegan places, to be honest with you. And so what we need to do is normalize it. Then when I go to Portland, when I've been to New York and I've gone to London, um, uh, even Amsterdam recently, uh, um, there's been, it's just, it's just, it just is. I don't know how else to say it. Like they just are plant-based. And so I wanted this place to be plant-based. And some people have come in here and accused me of tricking them because the food's so good. Well, so and I'm like, what, great, I'm glad yeah, I tricked you. But this is what I want to say. So when you look at this place online or you walk up to it, it there's no neon sign saying no. plant-based, vegan, et cetera. Nope. And this is that point that you're yeah, making. Yeah, we're proud of it. And, and I put plant-based on everything because I think vegan scares people away. And I think, unfortunately, it, to be honest with you, even our our biggest critics will be vegans and not meat so eaters. tell me a little bit of, I mean, just... It's shocking. Yeah. It actually shocked me, and I understand now, yeah. as a vegan, why people, I get resistance whenever yeah. they just assume I'm going to shame them, and I'm going to make them feel bad, and I'm going to tell them I'm better than them, or they just know maybe, right. maybe they know somewhere in their heart that eating animals and dairy is hurting the earth and hurting themselves. And they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you say you're vegan, you immediately are projecting that on them. And I didn't want that. I don't want that. Every time you come in here, every time, you're having a plant-based meal, and then that means you weren't having a meat, dairy-based meal. Every time. And if you can come in here and see, you can have a great bar meal like and drinks, and they're vegan. It might open the door to you to, to think like, oh, I guess I could be. Because I hear a lot of people like, well, I can't have anything vegan. I'm like, dude, have you had a salad? Have you had french fries? <laughs> like potato chips? Like, right, right. Those are actually in many cases vegan, friend. You know, so, I mean, this is how it should be. You should just be matter of fact about it. That's just what we are. You know, I don't have to be Thai to enjoy Thai food. You don't have to be vegan to enjoy vegan food. I think food is just delicious. And if we can get people in a bar setting, especially where you have come in disarmed, you know, you're just you know, coming in for a drink, yeah. have some food, you have it. And in, and in many cases, absolutely no idea that it was plant-based is super cool in my book. John's point here is bigger than just his experience. It's something I've witnessed in my food systems related climate work too. I've seen this disconnect about how we get people to consider transitioning away from eating food produced through animal agriculture. 
There's this infighting about which words to use and purity tests about who is in or out of the truly vegan club. If it's visible from outer space that even the masses of people who don't eat meat, dairy, or eggs already can't get along or agree, how can we persuasively convince other people to steer in that direction? For me, the key is messaging and allowance for the journey. The journey is more than just okay. It's key to lasting change. People are coming to visit Seattle, mm -hmm. and people who listen to you all over are coming and going, I want to check out John Spar and coming here. So the influence that you have because of the platform is incredible. I just It's interesting to me. You are really influencing people globally on this front. Well, I've learned in Seattle that people make a, a trip to here. They're starting to associate it with Seattle. You know, KEXP is a location. Life on Mars is a location. The Pike Place Market is a location. And so they have that on the list. And, and I've heard from people that, like, I want to come to your bar and I'm going to try vegan food. You know, like they oh haven't even. Gosh. And so when you hear that, you're like, that's great. Oh Good gosh. for you, you know. And, and it, for me, it becomes like the Paul McCartney Meatless Monday thing. It's yes. like when you come here, you're going to visit another place and then you're going to take a chance on the meal. So what's going to happen when they go back? They may seek out the vegan place in their neighborhood, in their city. And then they may go down that path where they've seen a part of their town they haven't seen. If you're visiting Seattle, let's say you're on a cruise ship or you're you came in from the airport or you're staying downtown, yeah. you're going to stick Heaven to... Heaven forbid. The, yeah, you're going <laughs> to stick to the same, no offense to Seattle, some pretty kind of boring, stale areas that that, that are made for tourists. And I know this because when I travel, I try to get out of those areas because it, you're not seeing the actual city. Well, what happens when you come up Pike here and you come up Pine next door and you hit this court? This is where you see Seattle. Yeah. Like, as much change as there's been, this is still the heart and soul of the city. Um, or you go to West Seattle where I live and it's, you know, the heart and soul of that area is amazing, you know? And um, it takes the traveling a little and getting you to come somewhere. So if my platform can get you to come visit the you know, music bar with vinyl that you've heard so much about that is named after David Bowie's song, well, then I've done something right. Because you've seen our city and you've tried vegan food and hopefully, you know, you had a good memory. I, I've run into so many people in this bar that, that have come from other cities. It's amazing. Everywhere. Every, almost every time I'm in here, I learn people have traveled here just to come to this bar. I wanted to hear more about John's journey to veganism. I had been leaning towards that for quite some time. You know, I was in my 20s and I had dated someone who was a vegetarian and so I had been in that world and it, it was not a great world then. You know, there was like just, you know, there's no sprouts in this bar, by the way. No oh, sprouts. Oh, okay. Because every goddamn vegetarian place I went to, it was just sprouts <laughs> and dry bread right. and the worst sandwiches you've ever had. Like that was it. I was like, I can't do this. And then, you know, what's funny you can eat really badly as a vegan, like really badly. Yes. And people say that to me. I don't know why. Like, well, you can be unhealthy. I'm like, yeah, you can. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I could go eat baked goods all day long. You know, like Flying Apron, my, one of my favorite places on earth oh, yeah. is vegan. I could eat there all day. And <laughs> yeah. make... So I had just, I'm very, I do a lot of sports, a lot of athletics. Um, I'm from a family of uh, smokers, alcoholics, overeaters, all who and most died before they were 60 or at 60. Um, none of them were runners or vegans or anything even wow. close to where, what I'm doing. And so I didn't want to be like them. So I've been trying to do the opposite of them from the get-go. And so more and more I started thinking I didn't, it seemed wrong to eat animals. Like it just seemed wrong to hurt an animal if you didn't have to. Like why would I do that if there's alternatives? And so actually I became vegan, right? I guess not in 2000, but vegetarian. I was at my brother's on New Year's Eve and Millennium. You know, we're all freaked out about 1999. Yes. I'm like, well, if we all live, <laughs> my computers flip. Seems so stupid now. It does. I, I'm just going to, 
I think I'm going to try giving up meat and I'm going to be done with it. And I'm someone, if I commit to something, I'm pretty committed. But yeah, we had a steak that night. And luckily it was super like rare, medium rare, just pink. And I ate about half of it. I was like, this is a way to go out. I'm done. This is awful. And then uh, a little down the road a little while later. So I was barely doing any dairy. And Amy and I, she had had some health issues and um, some serious health issues. And giving up dairy in particular, she already was vegetarian, but giving up dairy was high on that list. And we were on a boat in the Atlantic Ocean somewhere. We made that decision to give dairy. So what we did is we went and found, you're, on a, you're still on a cruise ship. Right. <laughs> that they took over. And we said we went and found the like most like, disgustingly rich dairy, like, I don't know, like a Sunday cake Sunday. We put ice cream on it, just piled it with dairy and just ate as much as we could. To be the moment. Yeah, to be <laughs> like, let's remind ourselves why we want to give this up. I don't know why this was our thinking. But like, or go out with a bang. I'm not sure which. I'm yeah, sure yeah. we didn't finish it. Well, it is akin to the big rare steak. Oh, kind yeah. Of. I, yeah. It, so each time it happened, I got like, it, was, it. it was awful. I yeah. felt so bad and oh. it made it very easy. And I'll tell you what, the next day, you know, you make commitments though. The next day, we had to go through the Miami airport, which is the worst airport um, on many levels, but there was nothing. There was nothing we could eat. And we started to go like, well, I guess we could start tomorrow. And I said, look, if we can make it through the Miami airport and stay vegan and not have to compromise here. And sometimes you do and you don't even know you've compromised. Oh, I'm not, I'm not so strict that I would beat myself up when that I'm happens. Because yeah. I think that's a really bad, I hate to label, right? Yep. But we made it through that airport. And we managed to find enough food and we decided from then on, we're going to plan better and be vegan. And so, yeah, we went out with a bang and Amy's health improved greatly. You know, it's not for everyone, but I think if you're having inflammatory issues, if you're having, you know, health issues, it's something to, to look at. Dairy in particular is something to look at. My son was that way. He, he was a gluten intolerance, but once we took dairy out of his a diet um, and he went vegan, his health improved greatly. So it's just for him that was, again, it was a life, it just changed his life. Well, it's interesting because I say the same thing. I'm like, if you, if you try it, if you go without dairy, literally, I feel like for like a week, you're going to see a difference. But to the point of all of this is you, each of these things, if you go plant-based, then you stop eating dairy, all these things happen. You, the story tells itself to you via your yeah, body. <laughs> yeah, and, and you have to give yourself that chance. I have a, a, my buddy, Gary, he's in the music industry. He's, he's always been sort of a mentor to me. And, and he sat with me once and said, John, I, I, he came up, visited from California. He goes, I, you know, I'm really trying to be vegan, I, I, but I, I got to ask your advice here. I'm like, uh-huh. He goes, I just love pizza, and so I don't know what to do. And I, I said, then eat pizza. But that you don't have, you didn't, we don't get a card. You're not in a club. You didn't fail. Right. If you're doing everything but pizza, yeah. you're good, man. Yeah. Like think of the moderation you've mm -hmm. just achieved. But I bet because you still eat pizza, you're still eating meat and dairy and stuff because you're like, well, I'm not a vegan. And he said, yeah, I am. I said, well, what if you just gave up that like you wanted to and allowed yourself this pizza? Now I didn't tell him the secret information here is that in about three to six months, you're gonna be like, I can't eat this pizza. Yeah, that's the secret <laughs> So I didn't tell him that, that he's gonna get, then he's gonna eat that dairy and be like, Oh my, and just straight bread, by the way. This is like, I'm going to get sick. But at the time, I remember thinking, I have to remember this, these labels that we give each other, that he couldn't just be a moderate, you know, because, you know, vegans are saying he's not a real, or whatever, you know, and, or his friends are going to look at him funny, you know, oh, I thought you were vegan and you're eating the, you know, I just, you know what? 95% of my diet now is plant-based. Yeah. Great, man, because it was 50% before. Yeah. Imagine if everyone went to 50%. And so the motivation, it's self-perpetuating. That's oh, yeah. my thing. People are always like, I don't know if I could do it. And I'm like, if you do it for like a week, your body will go, what did you just put in here? Yeah, yeah. 
I've tried the whole idea of the bar and the whole idea with us is um, just choose meals. Try not to make it the main thing in your meal. Yeah. Like just try and yeah. just see. Because for me, I had to, if you're okay, if you're, if you're a plant-based diet, you have to cook. You have no choice in this situation because I didn't cook before. And now I had to cook and I've got, and they said, well, what do you eat? I'm like, I eat so many more things I didn't eat before. I'm so more creative. You know, I read Scott Jurek's book. Mm-hmm. He's the ultra marathoner. He's yes. a vegan. I cannot recommend it enough. It had it had um, menus in it. And uh, Amy was telling me, you know when you really started cooking? I said, when? She said, I was pregnant with our youngest son. And you knew I was out of commission, so you'd be cooking all the time. said, once in a while. Yeah. And you're reading that book, and he has recipes in the book. She said, he made like every mess- recipe, like the... You, to this day, you make that chili like oh, from this book. And yeah. so it was just because I was reading it for inspiration. He's a runner. I'm a runner. He's vegan. I'm vegan. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, if you want to learn more about your food and your body and and be better about how you spend your money on food mm-hmm. and like, you know, and try to control what comes in your body, then if you have a plant-based diet, I think you're going to be a little more selective, which is good. John makes a great point. I tell people all the time how when I first went plant-based, it was self-perpetuating because I felt so much better almost within days. So then I wanted to experiment more with cooking and keep learning. I asked John about how his behavior changes have evolved and how it impacts his family and their lifestyles. I moved to West Seattle. I used to bike my regular bike to the radio station every morning. I could, I was in Greenwood, it's, it's just a few miles. You know, it's a, it's a haul, but it was like a haul I could handle leaving at that hour because it was scarier to ride home in the daytime, yeah, to I be agree. honest. Morning Being a was, biker, I know. <laughs> yeah, morning was like, it was dark. People could see me Beautiful. coming, you know? And, yeah. and, it, and later, it's buses and cars that are mad at you. And, and yeah. <laughs> um, But I moved to West Seattle, so I was out off the table, right? Okay, so I'm driving to work now. Uh, one day, Megan Jasper from Sub Pop, CEO of Sub Pop, was riding with her husband, Brian, and these e-bikes down the street just with, the, with just the stupidest smiles you've ever seen. And I was like, what is that? I didn't know what it was. I was like, shot. I didn't know why she was, get on this thing. I got on and rode it around the neighborhood, and the next thing you know, I reached out to Rad Bikes. And, and, and one, one thing led to another. Yeah, now I have a cargo bike that um, that I ride, and, and the first six months, I put 200 miles on it. And these 200 miles, I only rode it two places. I rode it to the park with my son, yep. and I, I didn't, I'm, I, 95% of the time I ride it, my son's on the back. Right. And the other was to pick him up from school and back. So it was really two very specific things that yeah. were transportation that yeah. you kind of felt you could do safely. Safe. I oh, kind of want to make felt that. safe, yes. yes. Yeah, yes. because these roads were side roads. Mm-hmm. And the first day I rode my bike to pick him up, I'm like, well, I'm going to pick him up. I was just thinking, like, how am I going to use this <gasps> Who bike? Knew? And West Seattle's <laughs> made of hills. It was, it was West right. Seattle's just hills. So I picked him up and I looked. And it's one of those moments where you look and there, and I'm one of these people. I was. 25 cars, idling, in idling. line, half live within a few miles of the school. And I was doing this too, so I'm not shaming anyone, but I just looked at it like, this is crazy. This is crazy talk. Like, what are we doing? And they would sit and you're looking at the cars idling and exhaust going up. And I roll on my bike. And to, you roll out. And I just pull it up and I'm like, hey dude. And he gets out and he puts his helmet on and the kids are looking at him, you know, and like, oh, that's like cool. And I was out and these people are still in line. And not only did I cut the line, but I cut the emissions and I just rode two, um, two miles that I wasn't gonna ride. And then again, you add that up in six months, looking at that thing that's a 200 miles. I mean, that was an eye opener. That's an eye opener. And then what happens is you start to squeak it out, right? I need yeah. something from the drugstore or I whatever. Yeah. And yeah. then you look at your e-bike thing and go, oh my yeah. goodness, I've ridden this much. It's, it's, a, it, it, it is, it's a tool. I cannot 
I cannot recommend those enough to people. Like I cannot. I, I, they, for someone who gave up bike riding really because of where he moved, because he has kids. So of course I can't ride with my nine-year-old. He's I can. huge, right, right, you know? right. And but on my back of my e-bike, he's he's he totally fits on there. And and I can ride on roads where I'm not going to get hit by a car most likely. And we can go down to Lincoln Park. We go down to the junction. We can go to a school. And these are all places I probably wouldn't have gone to in a car. But so then the other thing that you realize, and I'm even from the veganism and the bikes, is how much you're influencing your kids. So you've got a child yes. that's in high school or kind of, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. get to a point where the kids are 16 and my neighbor automatically like, oh, I can drive now. I'm going to save to yeah. buy a car. And it's like just giving your kids the gift of eat a plant-based diet, think about riding a bike instead of driving. Oh my gosh. And yeah. then exponential climate influence. My 18-year-old, and I, I remember looking at your carbon footprint and I have kids. The number one thing you can do is not have kids. Well, too late. I have yeah. kids. And, <laughs> and you love it. Not drive a car. Okay, well, I have a car and I do have to transport, even if they're hybrids and I'll go electric in my next purchase. But um, my 18-year-old has never read meat in his life. He's... He's more militant about being vegan than I am. He's not shy about it. He knows how to talk to people about it, even right. when they're, because what we've experienced all our life is people angry at us. And again, I can't understand it. And it, I don't understand a lot of things humans do, but that one always gets me. Um, and Arlie has handled it like a champ, you know, and he's just matter of fact about it. He's like, hey man, I just, I don't want animals to die. So my kids, I hope will influence others and themselves. And at 18, you know, Arlie can, he has the right. We are not, and that's the other thing. We do not enforce this when they leave our homes. You're not going to find meat or dairy in our home because we don't have any. Right, right. <laughs> but if you go out, my son is going to go out. It is your call. It is up to you now. And he's. And he's got to hunt it down, right? As yeah, if he's in the Miami yeah, airport. And I, and I let him know like, hey, well, he could have meat, yeah. you know, and, and I just let him know like, this is going to taste. You're going to think it's funny because it's going to taste is very similar. He said, well, then why would I have that? I said, well, I don't know. I said, that's up to you, though. And so he has stuck to that, and I would say probably will all of his life. And the other thing is just being strategic, I think, both with the bikes and the plant-based, like being strategic of, do I need to drive this? No, yeah. I can take a bus or a bike. And then being strategic yeah. with the thinking ahead. If yeah. I'm going to go to this party or I'm going to be with these friends, let me bring a vegan bar well, or something. Like with Arlie, we, he takes the bus. He goes to school downtown. It's, a, it's a, quite a commute. He doesn't have a license yet. And I think it's the best thing we did for him. Plus, my son riding the bus is going to give him an education he's not going to get anywhere else. He's always going to appreciate how he gets from one place to another. He won't take for granted when he is able to drive. And he knows he has the tools to use public transportation or a bike, which I think is really important. you got to at least introduce it to him so they know they have that. If you're living change, people see your values, and that reflects in decisions that ripple outward in your family, in the community, and in the environment. Suddenly, one person's impact really reverberates. At the top of who I am is I, I just want to make a difference in people's lives. I want to make their lives better in some way. So it's be a good human. And then what does that mean? Yeah. I care about animals. I care about life. I don't think, I think our, I think our ability to mass slaughter animals relates directly to our ability to hurt each other. Yeah. And so I feel like if we could just be kind to humans and be kind to animals and be kind to any living thing. It seems like a low bar that we can't seem to hit, um, that this world would be a better place. So if I live that every day, maybe they can see like, that guy seems somewhat guy, normal. Right, right. He's not, a, he's not totally loony and, and he's all, a vegan. And there are all sorts of people. I mean, my argument is always sports, music. I don't know. There are a couple of things where yeah. there's community and you're standing at a, you know, you guys go to a lot of professional sports. You're standing in a stadium yeah. with a bunch of people whose politics 
maybe you don't agree That's with, right. but you're cheering it on. Same thing when I'm at shows yeah. or at KXP events. Right. It's like, I don't, all the people could be whatever, but we're all going, hell yeah. And so yeah. that solidarity and a universal love and respect yeah. oh my god and be open about the things you support and then tell everyone well that's okay. this is what we are not you have to yes. do it no but if this is if you believe if you if you like us if you follow what we do this is how we made our decision this is a decision and i think we probably open people's eyes to do that the point that you made that you you do this but also you mention it or you let slip right that you're doing this yes. and that you had a maybe a decision change. So even telling me that, but I've also heard you say that on the air, you know, yeah. you, you're mapping it out. And yeah. in a way, what I think you're doing is giving other people permission who are kind of thinking about going vegan, yeah. kind of thinking about to try it, which I also feel that I do. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly right. I mean, it's so fun. So yeah. this has been amazing, John. Thank you so much. Of course. Really yeah. appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Thanks so much to John Richards for taking the time to share his story and his amazing bar with us. This conversation with John brings up so many valuable points for leaders looking for ways to lead by example. Behavior changes are self-perpetuating. You start with a meatless Monday or a simple reduction in meat consumption and you feel so good. You start to think more about animal agriculture. The why to eat this way gets a lot more interesting to dig into. Gradually, maybe you make the switch from dairy, and then maybe you're ready to tackle your transportation methods. If we trust the process and expose more people to plant-based food, especially by way of highlighting leaders who are vegan or call themselves plant-based, we can shift the perceived social norm and move their peers and followers along the path. From the climate perspective, not being militant about veganism helps more people lower their political defenses and eat new kinds of food. So trust the process. Expose more people to amazingly fun bars like Life on Mars and plant-based food trucks, etc. Leverage the stories of influential people. Celebrities, yes, but for me, even more important are the folks we already point to as professional leaders. They are the surprising validators with huge influence to shape policies and expose their staff and stakeholders to a whole new way of thinking. Identifying, building, and leveraging your leadership is something few may feel prepared to do but climate influence can't wait. If your organization is ready to make the shift, reach out to me, I'd love to help. Find me at www.learnedon.com. I'm also easy to find on Twitter, until it is no more, and LinkedIn. Living Change is produced by Large Media. That's L-A-R-J Media. Special thanks to Tina, Joelle, Jeff, and Maria. Until next time, paddle safely.